0: Welcome to the Dover Download Podcast, your weekly look at what's going on in Dover, what's going in in Dover, and all things Dover-related. My name is Chris Parker, and I'm the Deputy City Manager here in Dover, and I'm going to walk you through all of that, plus more. September 21st is the first day of fall, technically. A lot of people think Labor Day is the first day of fall, but for me, Apple Harvest Day is the first day of fall. And we're going to discuss Apple Harvest Day with members of the Chamber of Commerce, Margaret Joyce, the Executive Director. Welcome. Thank you. Happy to be here. And Hope Anderson.
1: Hi, Chris. Thank you for having us.
0: I appreciate you both coming in today and talking about this once a year highlight reel. And looking forward to hearing what's new, what's the same, and what we think will be, uh, population prediction will be, and the weather prediction. So... What do we need to know about Apple Harvest Day twenty twenty three? The weather will be perfect. Okay. That's that's, that's, that's the important that's part. That's the
2: important part. And uh I think the crowds will be strong. It happens to fall on the Columbus Day slash Indigenous Peoples Day uh, weekend. So I think people will be out looking for things to do, which will which will be terrific. It actually is having an odd effect on uh, getting volunteers for the day. So we usually depend on UNH students, and I guess they're all going home for the weekend. So we could use more volunteers. So anyone who's out there listening who would like to come and help out at this event, it takes about 100 volunteers to put this event on.
0: What do we have scheduled? what's what's some of the highlights that we are looking at?
1: Yeah, so this year, um, you'll find more vendors than last year. We're up to 325 vendors with a long wait list this year. So we are opening up First Street to um, vendors this year. And of course, we're going to have the two stages, the acoustic stage on Waldron Court and the community stage at the Rotary Arts Pavilion. Again, this year, we are going to have the calm Room, um, and that is run by 21 Senses, sponsored by the Rotary Club of Dover and Convenient M.D., Um, and that is where children can kind of escape the overwhelming crowd that Apple Harvest Day can bring sometimes. Um, We will have two food courts again this year, one in Lower Henry Law Park and one on 3rd Street. It's funny, you know, I did Apple Harvest Day last year, but I feel like every year it's just something different. Um, we have a lot of first-time vendors this year, so you'll be able to find a lot of new people, a lot of local artists have joined us this year, and of course we have the typical businesses and the nonprofits. Um, so there's really something for everybody.
0: So Apple Harvest Day, one of the things that strikes me is it, it really, the Chamber has evolved it to include the crafts and the things that it might have started with, but You've, you've really diversified over the past 10, 15 years to incorporate a lot more elements than in the past. Was that a targeted idea, or is that just a natural evolution?
2: I think it's a natural evolution. Uh, when when people see an event of this size, this many people come, it's a marketing opportunity for everybody. But we give priority to the crafters, because if the festival was filled with 300 vendors of people wanting to hand you information or uh, solicit donations. No one's going to come to Apple Harvest Day. So the bulk of our vendors are crafters. But yes, other people see. We, we have people still calling this week. Oh, can, can I get in? Can I get in? It's just a terrific marketing opportunity. And that's why we've been able to be successful with sponsorships. First Seacoast Bank has been a, a loyal underwriter of this event for years. And they see it as a a great marketing opportunity for them, as do all of the other sponsors.
0: Yeah, I Hope, it seems like there has been some consistent return sponsors that you see the same entities, the same organizations come back. Is that what you're finding?
1: Yeah, absolutely. A lot of sponsors um, that came last year are here again this year. Our Rotary Stage sponsor Burns, Bryant, Cox, Rockefeller, and Durkin is back. As I mentioned, the Rotary Club of Dover, they're sponsoring the Comroom. Um, Save a Tree always sponsors the Waldron Court. And we do have new sponsors this year. The New Hampshire Group is sponsoring our Cider tent, and that is after the race. It'll be located in the McConnell Center Lawn. We have North Country Cider being served there. Um, Bank of America is a new sponsor this year, and they are sponsoring the DCYF Family Fun Area, which will be located in the kid zone of Lower Henry Law Park. Um, our new website sponsor this year is Allen's Realty. And then we have the typical ones that always come back like Reach and Company. They're sponsoring the visitor center. So yeah, a, a lot of sponsors do come back and, and they love being a part of Apple Harvest Day.
0: So the day starts off with the race or does the day start off with the apple pie contest?
2: The race is first. So 8.30, the gun goes off for the race. So we do the first bite ceremony at nine o'clock. Okay, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, and because I'm managing the race, Hope will be doing the first bite ceremony with our underwriter, First Seacoast uh, representatives from the board, Mayor Carrier, we're hoping will be there. And of course, uh, OKQ sends uh, staff as well because it's their pie contest. But no, the race goes off at 8.30. Wentworth Douglas is back again uh, underwriting the race for us, and we're very appreciative of, of all they do in the community.
0: In the day itself, when should people expect to see Central Avenue close down, and when should people expect to see real boom time?
1: Yeah, great question, Chris. Um, so our day starts at about 3.30. I wake up and get out of bed. Um, so the sponsor...
0: Wait, or, wait, you wake up and get out and of bed?
1: And get, yes. Yeah. Both. So, can you imagine? I do both. Sometimes I wake up and just stay in bed, but say actually have to get out and get to Central Avenue. Um, so vendors can start loading on starting at 6.30. So that is when the street officially closes down and then all cars need to be off of the street by 8.30. Um, so some of the streets included our 3rd Street, Central Ave, 1st Street, St. Thomas Street for the race. Um, So if you're trying to drive down Central Ave from the hours of 6.30 until 5 o'clock, I would seek an alternative route.
0: (laughs) And the the day goes till how late before the vendors pack it in?
1: Yeah, so the festival officially ends at 4 o'clock and all vendors need to be off of the street by 5.30.
0: And I know in the past you've had some opportunity for people to park off-site And not necessarily try to find a spot at the transportation center or on street in the non-blocked off areas. Is that key again?
1: That is. We are very lucky um, with the people we partner with who provide shuttles for us. Um, So Spring Village and St. Thomas Aquinas High School will um, be shuttling people from the south end um, and that includes spots on chestnut street and you can find those at appleharvestday.com those specific spots and we also have a north end shuttle and that is provided by coast and that will be at c and j this year so you can park there for free all day um, take the shuttle down to the festival and then get picked up by the children's museum
0: and do you see a rise in people doing the shuttle drops or do, do you see still people trying to be right in the thick of it
2: I think we see people trying to be in the thick of it, looking for the on-street parking. This, the shuttles are steady. And the reason we added the second shuttle on the south lot was there was a bit of a wait last year. Uh, we use smaller buses as opposed to the big coast bus on the right. south route. So we did get feedback that there was a big, a big, bigger wait there on the south side of it. Uh, St. Thomas, I think, is sending a school bus. Um, yes. I'm not sure if it's full size or not, but I, I assume it is. So there shouldn't be any waiting this year. So... And, I, you know, I wonder, Chris, if weather plays into it, if it's raining. I don't, you know, just assume park and get on the shuttle. Um, but it's not going to rain on Apple Harvest Day. So that's, that's a moot point.
0: So you just mentioned something that I'm curious about. You said you received feedback about the turnaround times. And I'm curious, with an event that has this much history behind it, how do you keep it fresh and how do you seek feedback from people? I mean, you're not going to poll 55,000 people, but... Is there a core group you reach out to? Is it just word of mouth feedback? How do you continue to understand what people are seeing it's, and observing?
2: It's more word of mouth. Uh, as you indicated, there's no way we can poll 55,000 people. There's no way we even know who they are, which uh, I find a little frustrating. I compare it to, say, the the seafood festival where they have a, a gate fee. Uh, they know exactly how many people come to that event. Ours is our, our best guess. Uh, but... We do poll the vendors afterwards. We like to know about their experience. They also are engaging with those 55,000 people. So they're actually a good poll for how the day went. Uh, and people don't hold back. Um, if they have something to say, they will share it. And I'm sure the city of Dover gets a lot of that feedback because mm-hmm. people think the city puts it on, not the chamber. Uh, so we do hear from people. We've got a Facebook page and they employ Messenger if they have feedback. A lot of them are reaching out to us now ahead of time with questions on that. But keeping it fresh, we also have a committee. We have a great a committee that meets uh, several times. I think we, we, we're we still in the midst of kachiko Arts Festival when we start working on Apple Harvest Day. Really, we start before that. But uh, that committee also are kind of representative of the community, and they give ideas. And then we have people who approach us with ideas. The Electric Vehicle Showcase, which is actually done by the Energy Commission of, of the city, was something that we added last year. Uh, this year, it's sponsored by Bruckner Group, which is a new business to the city, and that's exciting to see new new companies coming in and wanting to support community activities. So, people do approach us, um, you know, we can certainly come up with ideas, but we really depend on residents, visitors, and our committee to
0: help with that. Have there been any things that you've tried and thought, "Mm, I think that's a one and done. We're not going to do that again next year.
2: That's interesting. Uh, we we wondered about the cider tent the first time we did it. We said this could either go really well or, or really badly. And it's a lot of work, but it's been terrific. And it's nice to showcase a business, North Country Cider, that's right here in, yep. in Dover. And then partnering, we've got actually a couple of partners this year. We've got... Um, as we mentioned, the New Hampshire Group, which operates the former Dover Bowl. Right. Uh, so they're coming in and sponsoring. And then Nemo Equipment is coming in this year to do a chill zone. They're bringing in chairs and tables. So it's a great way to showcase. It's great. Yeah. yeah. And then New Hampshire Coffee Roasters, we started last year. And again, people kind of, that was my idea because I enjoy a cup of coffee. And as Hope indicated, our day starts very early. So I approached New Hampshire Coffee Roasters, and people said, "Well, nobody—the no, runners aren't going to be drinking." I said, "Well, what about the people watching the race? They might like a cup of coffee." So that was one that we said, eh, "This could go either way." And the owners of New Hampshire Coffee Roasters absolutely loved it. They they ran those carafes of coffee down to nothing. They're coming back again this year, and they come out early. Uh, people watching the running are volunteers, and then they're you know they're done after the after the race. They're done. So. We keep trying things. I can't think of anything that really hasn't worked that we said, well, we'll never do that again.
1: Yeah, at least since the time I've been here. This is only my second apple harvest day. Um, And last year, as Margaret indicated, the things that were new did go really well, which is awesome to see. So I'm hopeful again this year that we'll have the same outcome.
2: I just thought of one that didn't go well, but we'll never do again. No more virtual Apple Harvest Day. Wow. That was so not that was not fun. Uh, we did a live stream from the chamber, but we obviously got so much negative feedback from the public on that's not Apple Harvest Day. But what could we do? We did the best we could uh, during the circumstances with the pandemic. But no, no more virtual Apple
0: Harvest so Day. So, what do you think? When, when someone says that's not Apple Harvest Day, what do you think they think Apple Harvest Day is? They
2: want to be out there in the thick of things. They want to be eating that fried dough. Uh, they want to be seeing what new crafters are there this year. They want to hear the music. And as Hope mentioned, the stage, the Rotary stage down in Lower Henry Law or Upper Henry Law, that showcases community entertainment. They want to come out and see, you know, Soul City Dance or the Grimes McDonough Grimes, Irish Stepped in, cuz they want to see that. This year we've got the ukulele group coming. Uh, they want to see their local favorites. We do hear from people that come back specifically for Apple Harvest Day. I mean, the population of Dover is, what, 32,000? 33, yeah. Well, we essentially doubled that yeah. for that day. Where are those people coming from? Right. So it's it's an event that draws people.
0: Hope, if you could think about five years from now, what would you want to see introduced at Albahira's day that maybe isn't there today something that would continue to bring in new younger attendees.
1: So I'm just going to say, I think the cider area does kind of bring in younger attendees. Um, Last year, my boyfriend helped with that area and a lot of his friends who are local to Dover went just for the cider and then walked around afterwards. So this is a family festival. Um, Unfortunately, a lot of young people are into the kind of beer garden type of thing. Um, And we definitely want to keep this family festival friendly. So personally, I'm comfortable with the cider ending at one.
2: Yeah. Yeah, we we actually publicize it ending at twelve thirty, but uh, obviously people will kind of straggle. So I do the liquor license until one o'clock, yeah. just so we don't get in trouble.
1: So I'm I'm comfortable with that. I do think that would bring in a younger crowd, um, and I just definitely want crafters to stay at the forefront of this festival. I know when I go to different things like this, um, like Market Square Day in Portsmouth, I'm really interested in the local crafters, um, getting things that you can't just get anywhere else. You can't get that on Amazon. So I really like the local crafters. I I like the things that we're incorporating, like the comm room. I think that's very important going forward. um, So in five years, I definitely don't want to see the festival change um, that much. You know, I, I like it where it's at right now.
0: I'm curious, you said, you mentioned going to, to Margaret Square Day, and there are a variety over the, let's say, August, September, October timeframe, maybe even into November, there are a variety of these festivals, fairs, et cetera. I know, I think Freiburg Fair is the same weekend, uh, which again, Margaret, that's one of those, uh, that I think it's always uh, indigenous people, Columbus Day weekend, this conflict or overlap, I should say. Is because of the first Saturday correct. aspect, correct? But how do you continue to differentiate Apple Harvest Day from just becoming? Oh, it's another obligatory fall festival. I'd like hope to tell a, a story, and
2: I'm hope she she knows which one I'm talking about. But our our um, and you you didn't use you used a different word than conflict overlap. overlap. Uh, Deerfield Fair is usually one that yeah. uh, we sort of struggle with. And, and I wonder if the reason we have more vendors this year mm-hmm. is because we're not the same weekend as Deerfield Fair. Sandwich Fair is also always the Indigenous Peoples Columbus Day weekend. Um, but y- you're asking about how do we make Apple Harvest Day stand out? And we did hear from one returning vendor this year Do you know who I'm talking about? The Poland Spring trailer?
1: Oh, yes. Yes. Thank you for reminding me. Um, So last year we had a giant Poland Spring um, refillable water truck come and they give out about 250 bottles. And if you have your own um, drinking receptacle, you can go fill it up there at the Poland Springs truck. And they shared with me um, that this was one of their four festivals that is now on their must come to list um, up there with the Boston Marathon. So that was super awesome to hear. Um, it was their first year last year. So that just kind of shows us how well we do with the vendors. And that is really thanks to the volunteers who get them in there in the morning. Um, so that was really, really special to hear that, you know, we're up there with the Boston Marathon.
2: <laughs> yeah, that that is in- incredible. And and if I could go back, Krista, something you asked about uh, seeing down down the years. One of the things that we have seen evolve is that Apple Harvest Day is actually a benefit to several nonprofits here in the city. Dover Children's Home actually runs the Lower Henry Law Kid Zone, and they are sponsored by Kenny Bunk Savings Bank for several years now. But they also charge for those inflatables for the kids to write. It's one of their largest fundraisers for the year, and that's phenomenal that we've been able to do that. Hope mentioned 21 cents operates the Calm Room at Apple Harvest, and that allows children with neuro disorders that normally couldn't come to an event of this magnitude to come. And we got a sponsor for that. That money goes to them. Same with the Children's Museum. They operate, oh, I forget what theirs is, Chico Kids Club, I think, down at the Children's Museum. And that sponsorship goes to them. So this event benefits a lot of people. Uh, It really does. It's, It's a boon to many of the businesses. We recognize that we are closing down a lot of businesses along Central Lab. People simply can't get in there, and those people do get a free spot. But it also is a boon to to many, many businesses. And I know one of our uh, innovative downtown merchants, Jewelry Creations, is doing a little fundraiser. They say Apple Harvest Day is a great day for them. They get a lot of traffic into the store, but they're, they're turning it into a, a fundraiser. They're picking a charity and doing an activity that will benefit local. So it does have far-reaching benefits.
0: Yeah, I, I think that uh, as we heard in the, the first season of this podcast, we would ask people three things about... Uh, over the community, the city, et cetera, that they liked. And Apple Harvest Day was, was one of the ones that ranked really high. People really recognize that that is a part of the community and an iconic part of the fall. As I said, for me, it really, to me, starts the fall, is to think about that, that sort of aspect to it and appreciate that the Chamber put so much time and effort into creating this event, because as you both said... It is something that doesn't get thought about mid-September and pulled off early October. It is a six-month, if not longer, uh, conceptualized thing. And I'm sure that there are certain things that happen because that's the way they happen. That you know, They've been ironed out, the, the playbook is there, and you just pull it off the shelf and, and work through it. But there's always going to be some audibles that need to be pulled uh, as things crop up and... Uh, look forward to seeing this year as always look forward to uh walking down and i say um my son refuses to go with me because well now he's, he doesn't live in dover anymore but when he was growing up because i couldn't go five feet without running into someone because there's so many people you see and you want to chat with uh but it's it's become one of the events that uh my brother who also lives in dover we meet up we meet at third uh, street and we go up and down and probably the most time we spend with each other all year Um, and uh, it's a great event and I appreciate all the effort that the committee puts into it that certainly the staff put into it as well.
2: And the volunteers and we like I said we still need more.
0: Well I'm committed so Uh, (laughs) as we uh, as we wrap up though I'm wondering it's not the only fall event that the uh, the chamber is involved with you have the citizens leadership academy which is another phenomenal opportunity for people to get engaged Uh, but then also i believe uh, you're spearheading the candidates forums this year if if you want to let the listener know about those two opportunities as well
2: uh i'll i'll just to a very. We don't have a lot of detail about the candidate forums, and then I'll let Hope speak a little bit more in depth about Citizens Leadership Great. Academy, which is a longstanding program of the chamber. Uh, the candidate forums we do in partnership with Dover Listens, uh, volunteer group uh, that's part of New Hampshire Listens, based at the University of New Hampshire, and um, we are looking at the week of October sixteenth. And they will be held in person at the McConnell Center, but also our good friend Mike Gillis, I believe, will be recording and live streaming those for people who cannot attend in person. So more to come on that.
0: Is there anyone he's not good friends with? No. No. Everybody knows everyone needs a favor from Michael.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, Chris, you also mentioned Citizens Leadership Academy. Um, So, that will start the Thursday after Apple Harvest Day, and that is a free program to any Dover resident. Um, I participated in it last year, even though I don't live in Dover, I do work in Dover. So, I felt that it was important to go, and it's actually really, really fun. Um, You learn about different aspects of the local government. Um, So, we went to the fire station, we went to the police station, we actually went to the water treatment station sewer station and we do one saturday we go around on a bus and visit all these different places um we learn about the recreation department about the library and it's honestly really really fun if you just want to get involved in your local government which personally i feel is very important um so like i said that is free and you can sign up on dovernh.org if you have any questions you can reach out to me it's a five-week program um, with six sessions. And after you graduate, you get your little diploma, and they do encourage you to join one of the local committees. That's not mandatory, but we like to call it kind of a pop quiz at the end where um, Mike Joyle will hand you the paper and say, all right, which committee are you signing up for? <laughs> it's, uh,
0: it's one of those programs, I think, that is instrumental in civic engagement here in the community. And having been on the other side of it, uh, on the uh, education Type side of it, I think you're right. It's it's a great opportunity for people to learn more and to be more engaged. I've done New Hampshire Leadership, New Hampshire, and Leadership Seacoast, and honestly, I think the Citizens Leadership Academy is probably the most beneficial of the three because it's the most hands-on and local. So you really feel and see that, that those impacts, and not to say anything negative about either of the other uh, programs, because they're both beneficial and they're both enjoyable and educational. But having that one-on-one and really understanding uh, what it's like to be a firefighter or what the response needs from a public safety. And certainly you're absolutely right. I think every year we hear, and I'm sure you do as well, that the top two things people love is either going to the fire department and seeing the big apparatus (laughs) up close, or the wastewater treatment plant.
2: That's <laughs> <laughs> a highlight.
0: <laughs> it really is the highlight, and uh, which boggles my mind why quality of, of life night, which I'm part of, isn't the highlight. I think that's right. Yes. But, um, it's a, it's a great opportunity. I'm glad that the partnership has continued over these yes. years because yes. uh, it's it's a great venue, and uh, I've enjoyed a couple times the um, the back and forth that you generate. People that think one thing. Learn something and then really want to question, not in a attacking way, but in a okay, why is the perception X when it's in re- the reality is why? How do we combat that? And it's a really worthwhile uh, dialogue that can be created. And you're right, Hope. We have gotten a lot of volunteers for various boards and commissions from this this opportunity, and it really improves the community overall.
2: It, it and the the discourse, as you said, is is key because. With social media now, everybody is having their discourse on Facebook. Yeah. and Instead of coming and learning from Chris Parker or Mike Joyle or Chief Bro or Chief McShane, uh, you know they put it out, well, the city does this, the city does that, based on I, I don't know what. Um, so why not come and learn about it and agree or disagree? At least you have the facts. Um, and the range of people who attend are, in my opinion, is amazing from, from young people who have uh, just – move to the community uh, older people who have just relocated retired people who finally have the time to right. you know I've lived here a long time maybe you know now it's now it's time to do it so it's quite a quite a range of people and respectful discourse like you said they they do ask questions not in an attacking way but to be They're informed. there to learn. They're they to learn.
1: I also will just add, um, if you are new to the area and interested in local government, I definitely encourage you to participate. Um, I didn't know a ton of people in the area when I started at the chamber. And I've seen people that I met at Citizens Leadership Academy, whether it be at Cochico Arts Festival or just the grocery store. And it's a friendly face that I can now just say hi to. So it is also a really good um, way to meet like-minded people in the community.
0: Absolutely. Well, I appreciate you both coming in today and sharing all this with the, the listeners. If there's anything you want to uh, close out on, happy to have you uh, say it now and we'll bid you farewell. Hey, If you run, walk, push a
2: stroller, have a dog you like to walk, sign up for the Apple Harvest Day 5K, dovernh.org slash 5K. And no rain on Apple Harvest Day.
0: You've heard it here, folks. No rain on Apple Harvest Day. It'll hopefully not all rain the next day, though, because... That would not be good.
2: I know, because it's a long weekend, and that would hurt tourism in the the state as a whole, yes.
0: (laughs) Hope you both have a great day.
2: You as well. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Chris.
0: With almost 400 years of history, Dover's got a lot to tell. Up next, Mike Gillis is going to walk us through
3: what happened this week. This week in 1985, preparations were in full swing for the very first Apple Harvest Day in Dover. The event was started by a group of downtown business owners known as the Apple Corps who wanted to showcase that downtown Dover was still vibrant and active. On October 12th of that year, the inaugural Apple Harvest Day drew thousands of visitors to the city. Festivities kicked off at 5.30 that morning, with apple-themed breakfast specials at local restaurants like pancakes, muffins, and more. Throughout the day, attendees enjoyed farm stands selling apples, pumpkins, pears, and other fall produce. A highlight was the Best Apple Pie Contest, where community members competed to bake the tastiest apple pie. The pies were judged and sampled at the Dover Public Library. The library also hosted a cookbook tasting event by the Friends of the Library Group. The festival included a large craft fair, with almost 50 vendors set up at two locations on Central Avenue. Shoppers could browse pottery, woodcrafts, baked goods, and more local crafts. For kids, there was a petting zoo on Central Avenue where they could get up close with farm animals like cows, goats, and lambs. Several live music acts performed at the band show at Henry Law Park. The lineup included the New England Sports Academy gymnastics team, Dover Elementary School Chorus singing as Core Us, B.J. Hickman's Magic Apple Show, and the White Mountain Cloggers. The centerpiece was a parade that afternoon through downtown Dover by the Dover High School Band. The band also put on a show at Dunaway Field in the evening. Local restaurant Firehouse One offered dinner from 5 to 10 that night, along with music by the Charlie Jennison Quartet. There were also activities for kids like relay races and costume contests at Henry Law Park, as well as strolling clowns, fiddlers, and apple mascots in costume. A Halloween costume exchange at the library let children trade costumes and get new ideas. One unique attraction was tethered hot air balloon rides, taking place by the wading pool at Henry Law Park. Visitors could soar above the festival in a hot air balloon and take in the aerial views of Apple Harvest Day. For just $0.25, visitors could take trolley tour rides around Dover and learn about the history of the city. The Woodman Museum also offered tours, showcasing Dover's past. As its founders had hoped, Apple Harvest Day became a tradition that continues to this day – Now organized by the Greater Dover Chamber of Commerce, the 39th annual Apple Harvest Day will be held this coming Saturday, October 7th, 2023. The festival has grown over the decades, attracting tens of thousands of people to Dover and remains a beloved regional event, showcasing all that Dover has to offer.
0: Thanks for listening to the Dover Download this week. If you like what you heard, subscribe through your favorite podcast aggregator. And if you have something you want to hear a topic on, let us know. Finally, this is just one of the many ways we share information about the City of Dover. You can subscribe to the Dover Downloads email newsletter every week or other newsletters that we have by going to the City of Dover homepage, www.dover.nh.gov. Have a great week.